Welcome to another edition of On Mike with Jordan Rich, where creative conversation is alive and well, and sometimes it's poetic. Today I'm joined by Kim Dower, the former City Poet Laureate of West Hollywood. She's got several books, including her latest anthology, I Wore This Dress Today for You, Mom, the perfect gift for Mother's Day, and getting a chance to talk with a lady whose day job is that of a publicist. We book a lot of guests, thanks to Kim. Well, this is really a treat to have her talk about her own art, the art of poetry, that she presents so beautifully. So thank you for stopping by and for the pleasure of your company. Let's go to the Poetry Corner and welcome Kim Dower to join us on Mike. Well, this is a treat because normally we're on the phone booking some of your colleagues and some of your clients, writing clients and authors. I get a chance to speak to you for the first time on on air. Yeah, I'm very excited and delighted. I, I love working with you, first of all. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. And I just want to return the compliment that I love working with you. And I will say we've been working together for quite a long time. It has been a while. And I knew that you had this this poetry background. But until I read this piece called I Wore This Dress Today for You, Mama Collection uh, by Kim Dower, I didn't realize how really terrific you are. And I'm not just saying that. I, I read poetry from time to time has to really move me. This did. So let's start, first of all, with your background as a poet and the fact that you've been uh, a laureate in some respects in some parts of the California area. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, yes, I was poet laureate for West Hollywood from 2016 to 2018. And I'll say those were two great years. I loved every minute of it. I was responsible for helping to spread the poetry word in the community. And we did all kinds of readings and events and uh, poems, written collaborations from people all over West Hollywood. I mean, it was wonderful. It's a great town, West Hollywood, you know, its own mayor and it's a little city and very, very uh, married to the arts here, which is lovely. I always wondered what a poet laureate's day-to-day gig was all about. I mean, obviously there are events, but do people contact you, want to visit you in your your ashram or what? (laughs) I bless them. They come here and give them a poem. No, I mean, I, uh, that would be nice. Sure. But you, you have your regular life. They don't put you in a palace somewhere. You know, you're, (laughs) you wear your regular clothes, (laughs) but, um, but you are responsible for coordinating a certain number of events. They have a beautiful uh, West Hollywood library. And I taught workshops every Saturday for people in the community. These were free poetry workshops. So I was responsible for doing that. I would go into some of the public schools and do poetry with the kids, which I adored, uh, and put together readings. You know, Route 66, I think you've heard of that. Sure. Route 66 runs right through Hollywood and right through West Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard. So I put together a collaborative reading called Route 66, and I had poets who were born and brought up here in the 60s. And, um, that was really fun. So there were a lot of activities. Great. And I loved I loved them all. Well, the thing you probably love most of all is actually doing the work, doing the art, and it shows. So let's let's focus on this project. It's called I Wore This Dress Today for You, comma, Mom. It really is a love letter to your mom and also speaks to a lot of us about motherhood, about life and death and loss and memory and all that. Are these poems comprised over several years and put together in this collection? Is that the way it works? Yes, they are. I mean, I... I um... 
this is probably 12, 13 years worth of poems uh, and over different periods of time. Uh, you know, I have a, an interesting backstory that many people might uh, respond to in that I wrote poetry when I was very young. Uh, I went to Emerson College in Boston. I'm sure you're familiar with very it. Very much so, Kim, yes. Great school. I was so lucky, right time, right place. I just fell into the lap of the beginning of this fantastic program that they had um, in the early 70s with great poets. And my first poetry teacher was Thomas Lux, another Emerson College graduate. Sadly, he's no longer with us. But um, so the poetry started there and I taught there for a couple of years after. And then I moved to LA and quite frankly, Jordan, I was not writing poetry for a long time. Uh, I started a new life. I um, started a business. I got married. I had a family and poetry kind of took a back seat and it was sad because I, I missed it. I felt something really important was missing and it was. Mm. And when my son went off to college, I started writing again. And the poems came back one, two, three a day sometimes. In the middle of the night, they would wake me up. Yeah. And it was a very emotional time because my mother was starting to fade away. My son was in another city. And my favorite story is I called Tom Lux and I said, I'm starting to write again. I've got all these poems. Can I send them to you? And he said, well, yeah, but the warranty is expired. <laughs> How poetic, you know, as you as you're as you're telling us this story and I, we will get to these poems and have you read some of them as you're telling me this story. I am so reminded of the people I know who do this so beautifully and to a person, they say the same thing. They don't know where it comes from. I mean, it, it I, I believe it comes from the essence of the universe, God, color, what you will. But it it's such a cool concept that all of a sudden it just pours out. Isn't that cool? It's very cool. It's very cool. And what you're saying about where it comes from, you know, Anne Sexton used to say, she doesn't write the poems. The poems come to her from God. They come through her. And it's not even a religious thing. I completely understand what she's talking about because sometimes you, you don't really know where they are coming from, but you are so grateful that they've arrived. I don't know if you can see this from your vantage point. I've dog-eared so many pages because I wanted to have, I don't know if we'll have time to have you comment on these, but let's talk about the title, which is the name of a poem. I wore this dress today for you, Mom. What a touching story. What a touching tale. Tell us about this poem and maybe read it for us as well. Uh, sure, I'd love to. I, um, some poems come and you don't know where they're coming from. They have nothing to do with your real life, as a matter of fact. They're not autobiographical. This poem is autobiographical. This poem came from a very strong emotion of it being literally Easter Sunday in L.A., which is a very different kind of Easter Sunday than the one I grew up with in New York City, where there was the parade down Fifth Avenue and all of this. And my mother had died uh, fairly recently and I was looking through my closet what to put on. It was very hot in Los Angeles. And I saw a dress and this feeling came through me that was very powerful. And I, and I just said to myself, I, I'm going to wear this for you. And, and then I, for my mother, and then I went to my computer and I sat down and I wrote a poem called, I wore this dress today for you, mom. I would love it if you would read it for us, Kim. That would be wonderful. 
I wore this dress today for you, Mom. Breezy, floral, dancing with color, soft, silky flows as I walk. Easter Sunday and you always liked to get dressed. Go for brunch. Maybe there's a good movie playing somewhere. Wrong religion, we were not churchgoers, but New Yorkers who understood the value of a parade down Fifth Avenue, bonnets in lavender, powder blues, pinks, hues of spring, the hope it would bring. We had no religion, but we did have noodle kugel. Grandparents, dads who could fix fans, reach the china on the top shelf, carve the turkey. That time has passed. You were the last to go, Mom, and I still feel bad I never got dressed up for you like you wanted me to. I had things, things to do, but today in LA, hot the way you liked it, those little birds you love to see flitting from tree to tree, I just saw one, a twig in its mouth, preparing a bed for its baby, might still be an egg. I wish you were here. I've got a closet filled with dresses I need to show you. Lovely, lovely. Read well, told well, I should say, because poetry is about telling stories. In fact, my theory, and I'm not a, a, an academic on the subject, but good poetry to me tells a, a lot of story with a lot of emotion in a very short amount of time. <laughs> I mean, I can, yeah. I can know more about your mother from that one eloquent poem than I might get from a, a full page article in the New Yorker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, bless you. <laughs> and, and is that is that one of the the goals of a of an effective poet that you know you can say what you say in such wording that it it's it's less is more. It seems to be the successful ones do. Yeah. Well being concise is one of the keys of writing a poetry. Best words, best order, choosing the right word, one image to convey a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying, I mean, you understand that situation between mother and daughter and that time of life in a very short amount of words. That's that's the goal. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, as a fan of of good writing, uh, poetry when it's done so well as you do it, it, it just speaks to you in every line and phrase. So I want to point out some of the other ones that really hit me uh, and moved me, and then have you comment on them. And we'll, we'll have you read a few more. One of them, uh, I'm going to save one for last, and I'll tell you why. But this one again is very much in keeping with what you're talking about, the memories of those who've left us. It's called There Will Be Things You Do on page 71. And before we talk about this, eggs seem to factor into uh, a lot of what you do. Uh, I mean, eggs in the kitchen, uh, scrambled eggs, uh, egg yolks, and so forth. And I love eggs, so <laughs> I, thought, I thought, oh, she's got a thing for eggs. Uh, probably your mom yes, had a thing does. for it, right? Yes, the perfect food, Jordan. Absolutely, and I could just see your mom, and <laughs> and I think about my mom too, uh, who's who's gone on to her better re reward. But let's have you read. There will be things you do, and I will go out on a limb and guarantee you that people will connect with this one. Can I time. say something about it first? Sure, by all means. I want to say that this poem was inspired by something that would happen in Boston. Uh, 
like three days a week. I would go there for breakfast. And I I don't remember. It suddenly just came to me. I could totally be make, making this up, but it was a place called Schultz's. Is that possible? Sounds vaguely familiar. Where Whereabouts in terms it of this? It would have been in the... Um, Around uh, Beacon Hill. That oh, bay. sure, sure. There are a lot there of places, a lot of places like that, breakfast nooks and diners and yeah. things like that. Yeah, I love it, love it. So uh, anyway, here we go. Um, there will be things you do. There will be things you do you won't know why. Maybe waiting to tie your shoelaces until everything else is in place. Could be you'll slide your egg yolks aside, eat every bit of bacon, toast, whites, while the forsaken yellow orbs stare at you from the side pocket of your empty plate. People will ask, why do you save your yolks for last? And you won't know, won't recall the cousin from the South came to visit one summer, ate his eggs so odd, your family said, stuck with you like the way you love to be kissed on the back of your neck, can vaguely recollect your mother's kisses after your bath, too gentle for memory. There will be things you do you won't know why, like the way you look up at the sky when anxious or blue, it's what your father used to do every family trip when nothing else was right except those clouds moving north by northwest through the night he showed you what pilots knew factors for safe flying our visibility and how low and mean the clouds are now that's so beautiful and it's specific to you and your life experience but as i was thinking about all the things that remind me of all the people that have gone before Everyone's got those memories. Everyone's got that, hey, this reminds me of so-and-so, mom, dad, whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, very effective and very meaningful. Uh, a lot of people listening to this write poetry and never share it with anyone. I mean, a lot of people are, are getting that satisfaction and that joy and that connection internally, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, so many people and so many more and more people are writing it, and there's so many wonderful opportunities for poets today that, uh, you know, are fairly new in the last 20 years or so. Online journals and all kinds of places to send poetry, share it, Instagram. Uh, But poetry is something that we reach for in very emotional times. We want to write it and we want to read it uh, as a result of, you know, someone gets married, someone dies, someone has a baby. I mean, Mm. these are the times when we all crave a poem, and yet every day is a day for a poem, really. Can I ask you a um, logistical, structural question or two? Because sure. the, the fashion of your writing is interesting uh, uh, in terms of punctuation, in terms of how the sentences and, and, and couplets break. And there's no rhyme scheme, by the way, which there doesn't need to be. But is this a style that you've uh, sort of brought on as your own, or has it is it you know based on some other style you know i think it's uh with free verse a free verse which doesn't yeah. have a form you know one can do anything so um i i experiment i i write in a lot of ways as you can see some of the poems don't don't have stanzas they're in block form right right some of them um the one i the two that i've read are um are triplets so there's three lines to each stanza yes I do a lot of couplets, which are two lines. 
Uh, and um, they're all different. Some are punctuated, some aren't. So I use punctuation as part of the music, as part of the guide for the reader to be able to understand what's going on. Sometimes a poem doesn't need punctuation. A line break is the period or the mm. comma. And sometimes, uh, I mean, each poem is very different, but poems, of course, are musical. They need to be read aloud. And I can always hear when I read the poem aloud what it needs, what it what it wants in terms of a comma or not. Or Right, right. Um, I, I keep thinking of um, prose writers and some people, it drives them crazy to read Cormac McCarthy because he doesn't use punctuation sometimes at all. But uh, I think it's creative. And in a poem, uh, in a in a sense of poetry, it works beautifully. Uh, th- there are a lot of things in here about mom. There are a lot of things about you. But then there's one that I wanted to ask you about. It's called We Are Like No One Else in the World. Before I have you read this, uh, I have to ask if there was a personal story or a story in the news that attracted your attention to this. Because the opening tells a lot. The killer's mother says, as she asks the victims to feel her prayers, imagine her pain. I mean, uh, as far as I know, uh, I don't know your background, but I didn't know if there was any specific story this relates to. You know, it relates to a news story, Jordan. Okay. And it, I, there have been so many awful, horrific um, situations on the news lately. I frankly, I don't remember which awful, horrific one this was. But um, some young man, uh, I, I believe it was when he went into a church or a temple, I don't even remember, mm. some place of worship, and he just murdered people. And I couldn't, I get to the point where I can't even watch these stories. I can't listen to them. But I had the TV on, and the mother of this young man was asking um, people to forgive her son. And she was telling them that she was praying. And it just hit me so hard that I sat down and and wrote this poem. So let's have you read it now, and then we'll talk about it again afterwards. We are like no one else in the world, the killer's mother says, as she asks the victims to feel her prayers. Imagine her pain, looking at photos of the bodies, a dull knife slicing into her belly. What song to sing? What blue sky, sweet air can ever be hers? What's left but to mourn? Wish her son was never born. If not for her, there'd be no baby she held, comforted, fed with a spoon, no baby to turn. What poison she had passed into her womb, the under, undecorated room where his fingers grew long enough to fit the trigger so well. What was she thinking the day his brain formed as he lay curled inside her, the time bomb gene melting under his tongue? He could have been my son. That is a very, very emotionally charged uh, poem because you think about it, everyone is somebody's son or daughter. Everyone is a baby innocent at birth, <laughs> and then the uh, the unthinkable happens. But it's, it's, it's beautifully recounted in that poem, in that short stanza of, of words. Um, 
wanted to get to another one here. Uh, not all of them are heavy. I should mention that. There's one called – I won't have you read this one. Not not because I'm embarrassed by it, but because we, we don't have the time. The boob job. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was funny. I've never read a poem about uh, somebody getting implants and what that all means. Uh, and that really happened, right? Whatever happened in there? Yeah. I mean, you know, but it's a poem uh, called Boob Job, which um, is, I will say, if I had greatest hits, if I do go to a reading, people will say, read Boob Job. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's pretty hilarious. And the truth is that it, um, it did happen. I was in a dressing room. Uh, in the days when there was a store called Lomans and women would get undressed together. And I love that place. It's gone now. Uh, but a woman asked me to zip her up and I couldn't get her all in there. And I realized she had, had this boob job. But the poem takes a turn, which you probably noticed a lot of my poems. Do. Yes, funny, yes. And then suddenly they're not funny anymore. Right, right. Um, so, you know, some of what's in that poem is not true. I, I made it up. I mean, uh, Works. And it, it works. You know, you're you're a slave to the poem, not the truth. So right. No, I I realize uh, it it does have an arc, which is interesting about your work too. Uh, stories that open have a build, an arc, and then a conclusion. It doesn't have to be a, always dramatic, but a conclusion. It you know it's done. I've read some poetry that is it over? Is that it? But it it has a beautiful <laughs> ending. Um, as a writer of this work as a writer of this art, have you extended it into prose? And if so, how does that work for you being so prolific at poetry? You know, I, I always am fooling around with, with some prose, um, but I start to write a poem. This is the problem. <laughs> it's just, it's like, no, what is that? We want a line break. What are you doing? And I just feel like, Oh, let me just let me just have this chance to just keep going with the line that never breaks. It, well, uh, you've got a muse that doesn't let up, right? Your muse <laughs> is saying, "No, you will do this because I want to be with you to write this with you." <laughs> right. I mean, I have a few different things in the works. You know, sitting on my computer, I have a a folder on my computer works in progress and poems in play. And there are things that are I'm working on, but they're not finished. But there's definitely a novel in my head and has been for a very long time. Um, but I keep writing a poem every time I want to go back to it. So I don't know. I've tried to take some of these poems and toss them into prose to just see what it looks like. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I can see that in some cases because there are stories that are more traditional in nature told in poet, poetic fashion that would definitely transfer into into that. Um, I can absolutely yeah. see that. Yeah. Before we conclude, um, there's one that I'd like to read if it's okay with you, because oh, I found yeah. it to be the most romantic of all of them. You know what I'm mm. talking about? You want to uh, guess? I don't. All right. It It's not an egg, but it's rounder than an egg. And it's high in the sky and it's white. It comes out at night. Oh, <laughs> I would love you to read that. Um, well, it's I, I read this one and I thought, oh, this was plunked in here for we helpless romantics, even though it does relate to your mother and other moms and stuff. But it's it, I, I think it's an all purpose poem. It's an all purpose. It's an all, it's an all purpose. It's, it's called purpose. it's called Slice of Moon. I just love this Slice of Moon. There's a slice of moon left over in the sky. 
a sliver of carnival glass wedged into the milky blue, as if the gods had a midnight party. Couldn't finish it all. Left a piece of moon for us, barely throbbing in the morning light, a crescent of white hanging onto the sober sky. Why is it still up there on this new day? Its job? To taunt darkness. Burn through the night like heaven's candle, igniting our dreams. Should be over. Why does this moon persist? The sun sets as it's meant to, leaves the sky gracefully, falling into the arms of the ocean. We can trust it to disappear so the sky can darken, so we may rest, rocked by the pale memory of motion, rocked by the song our mothers sang or never sang. The end. Anxious to read one because I love poetry spoken and I wanted to give it a whirl. Did I do okay? Oh, Jordan, you did (laughs) so okay. I wish that you would just record that and put it on something. I'll do one just for you. But I I, I meant to ask you, by the way, about this kind of thing with audio books being so prevalent. Have you given thought, maybe you have, to doing this yourself and uh, sending it out there? No, I, I I haven't done it. I think about it all the time. Can I come to Boston and would you record? Me? I would yeah. love it. You Next time you visit your alma mater, stop in. We'll record a bunch of these and get them down. Words that are jumping off the page. And, and I you can hear, now that we know you, your voice in each one of these poems, which is cool. Thank you. Now, for those people who want to get the book, it's called... I Wore This Dress Today for You, Mom, by Kim Dower. I imagine it's an Amazon favorite. It's It certainly <laughs> will be available on Amazon starting April 19th. But you know what? In L.A. today, it's already being put on the shelves in all my favorite independent bookstores. Oh, great, uh, great, great, great. Well, I hope Boston has some and all over. It should be all over the country. In well, Indies. I was going to say, by the time this this podcast hits the cloud. It will it will be everywhere, so it'll be available Great. to you. Now, before we wrap up, um, talk a little bit with me about your role as a publicist and share with an audience a little behind the scenes, a little inside baseball as to what you do and, and how you do it. Yeah, so, you know, poets sadly cannot afford to just be a poet. Um, we have to earn a living. And... Um, Although this book could be a huge bestseller, Jordan, you know. This After is, this podcast, it will go through the roof, I, I guarantee. I'm counting on you. This is a Mother's <laughs> Day gift. Yes. But um, anyway, so I am a literary publicist, as you know, which means that authors hire me, their publishers hire me to get their books out in the world so they can do an interview with someone great like you who can help get uh, the word yes. out. Yeah. So that's what I do. And I, uh, it's really a lot of fun and it, it informs my poetry actually. It, um, but so I read the book, I figure out what we call hooks, you know, what, um, what will the media be interested in, in this book? That's what I do. I write a press release. I put ideas, questions, I get it out there and I try to create a schedule for the author so that when the book comes out, they have people to talk to about the book. Yeah, some, some of the books that I work with you on, I, I simply review them for my radio shows yes, and so forth fabulous. because I don't have the time. But I love to get product. And I, lo- I also know that when you contact me, you've got something right up my alley. So it's, it's a nice. great relationship. Well, Kim, I'm so excited to uh, 
herald this new book of poetry. It's called I Wore This Dress Today for You, Mom. Uh, it'll touch your heart in so many ways, make you laugh, uh, make you think, and uh, make you tear up a little bit, which is kind of what we, we want when we pick up a book of poetry. Thank you, Jordan. I just loved talking with you. Well, I loved talking and, in in a sense, digitally, seeing you for the first time oh, in, yeah, in the God. flesh. Next time I come to uh, Los Angeles, to the West Coast, and I visit occasionally, I'll pop in and say hi. Left coffee. I, I really expect that, Jordan. Uh, she's a doll. KimDowerPoetry.com. And that book, I Wore This Dress Today for You, Mom, would make a terrific Mother's Day gift. KimDowerPoetry.com. Thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media for his help in publishing this and many other podcasts. Also, thanks to the crew at Chart Productions, where we produce this, many other podcasts, audiobooks, and more. Find out about me, the show, my book, and more at jordanrich.com. And thank you for adding a rating and a review and spreading the word. Truly appreciate it. Till next time, this is Jordan saying, as always, be well so you can do good. Take care.